Oh, that's just me, Perez Hilton. <sighs> Drinking all the tea that goes on in this world. And with the way social media is, I just can't get enough. I'm obsessed. It's like every day something new and scandalous comes out and I want it all. I'm the OG of entertainment gossip, and if you are like me and have an unrelenting thirst for all the drama that's flying around, you should listen to my podcast, The Perez Hilton Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Pluto TV is as easy as it is free, and it's totally free. With over 300 channels and thousands of TV shows and movies, finding what you love has never been easier. Just open the app, and something good will already be playing. Because it's curated by real humans who love TV as much as you do. So you'll spend a lot less time scrolling and a whole lot more time watching. That's why Pluto TV is TV the way it should be. All you need to do is download the app and start streaming. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. Recorded live at Corolla One Studios with Dr. Spaz and board-certified physician and addiction medicine specialist, Dr. Drew Pinsky. You're listening to the Dr. Bruce and Dr. Drew show. Yeah, you are. Get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but to get it on. Mandate. Get it on. Bruce is here with us. Dr. Spaz is here. Chris Laxamana is in with us Can't as well. Can't believe he brought the orchestra back in. Record that intro just for this week. Yes, I had to bring the orchestra back, and I had to get Emmy in front of the orchestra. Full it was it's amazing, production. right? Yeah, phenomenal. I I love when Adam's not here because you either get a, a Dr. <laughs> Bruce intro or a Mark Mark right. a Mark intro, and I love them both. Right. So uh, before the mics heated up, uh, Bruce, welcome back. Uh, I was talking about this uh, Dr. Phil book, which yeah. is called We've Got Issues. And I, I told Chris, I go, I, this is awesome. I stand behind this book. I admire what this man is doing. Uh, I f- just fully, fully endorse everything that he's getting into these days. And you said. I didn't think you liked him. I didn't think you which is Which him. is interesting. Uh, so I took issue early on in the early days of his talk show. Because he was being promoted as America's doctor, and that to me was like, he's not a physician. It's like, and like Doctor Jill, like Doctor Jill, <laughs> right. and that, that always bothers me when people do that. And and I was like, oh, you know, this is this is not. People think he's doing psychology, and he's really not. And it gives then, him a credibility that maybe he didn't necessarily. No, then then I re- completely reconsidered the whole thing. Mm. He, he, I don't think he believes he he's using his psychological training and mind. He's doing a talk show, and he does a brilliant job at doing a talk show. What I don't like is that people think that's treatment, and he would never say that. I don't blame him for that. It's a, it's, that's, it's a talk show. He's doing a talk show. He can't be held accountable for using psychology, and I think he's had a net positive impact on people's understanding of psychology. There's been a, an also a negative – the negative I didn't like when people always go, why don't you confront them? Why don't you confront that person? That's not how you do psychology. That's how you do a talk show, and he does an excellent job at that. And, and so I was always kind of bothered by that. But particularly in COVID, he stood up and said some courageous things. He's been spot on with everything. I fully stand behind that guy. Fully, fully, fully. I can. I, and this book, we've got issues. He is so right. So there. That's right. my two cents on on Phil think, and everything he's doing these days. Do you think PhDs should have a different title then? What do you say, Bruce? Mm-hmm. I don't know how you could do it, but it would. <laughs> you I know, think it you, would better. It's, it's, it would put no, them in a more comfortable position no. too. So I was, I was in medicine when this all happened, and 
the status of doctor in the 70s was one of the highest status in the country. When I was in college, we called our PhD teachers professor because in Europe, professor is the highest standing. Mm. But they slowly co-opted the doctor because of its um, esteem. And I just watched it happen where all of a sudden everybody's a doctor, musicology is a doctor, chiropractic is a doctor, psychology is a doctor. It's over, okay? So if you want to distinguish yourself as a medical doctor, it's on us to use a different term, not on them. So I have just started calling our profession physician. We're mm-hmm. physicians. And that's now on us, not right. on them. He doesn't have to do that. He can call himself. He is a doctor. He's a psychologist. Right. And if they want that standing, they, they're fine. They deserve it. We're different. We're physicians. It's different. Medical right. doctor is different. And he may be moving away from because his. Um, I have his book in my hand right now, and the, it's by Philip C. McGraw, Ph.D., not by well, good Dr. For him. Phil. Good for him. And, and Ph.D. should have very high standing. I'm all, I'm all for it, you yeah. know. But uh, And he has a lot of wealth of experience, and I've never seen him say anything wrong. I've never seen him be inaccurate or wrong. And he brings in good consultants and stuff, and that's all good. That's what good people do. How often do you get the uh, the criticism that, oh, you're not a doctor because of Dr. Phil. They found out that Dr. Phil is not a physician. They hear Dr. Drew, another celebrity. All the time. Well, they think you're a psychiatrist. A lot they think people. I'm a psychiatrist. They think that's not a doctor. Yeah. They don't know what that is either. And uh, that's where that whole thing came from, that Adam, Adam always kids, are you the love doctor? <laughs> because I'll say, I'll talk about some medical topic, and he'll just go, oh, yeah, the love doctor. You know, so. What do you know? And, and uh, the thing is, I, and I used to resent it a little bit also because of the how – how rigorous our training is, and how hard it was to get into medical school. So we did four years of science undergraduate, four years of medical school, four years of, of postgraduate residency, which was grueling back in those days. It's not so hard anymore, too, by the way. They get to work normal hours. Oh, my God. They're wusses. <laughs> when I men mean, were men. crazy. When men walked the earth, that's when we trained. <laughs> yeah. But about- it, it, I worry about it because the, the thing, the part of that training of never sleeping and working all the time, first of all, you saw adequate volume of patients. You have to see a lot of pathology to really know what you're talking about. And I mean like thousands of patients. And to be able to prioritize the person in front of you, no matter how miserable and tired you are, I never made mistakes because I was miserable and tired. And that's because I was trained so vigorously to be able to keep going no matter what. Right. And that's gone like, now. It sounds like it was obviously purposeful to yeah. get you into that mindset and into that condition. Put, put everything, everything above the patient above all else. That's but, it. Yeah, but I, I wonder when they're going to catch on to the. Remember, you go to the county hospital yeah. and you do your first procedure. Who's who's going to get the first procedure? Well, maybe maybe the uh, banker or the or the hedge fund billionaire should get the first procedure and not this poor person in the county hospital. You know what I mean? Yes. So so <laughs> this is the part that people don't know that 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 the county facilities were like mash units. Yeah. And and the and the way the training was done. This, this is also part of what's so intense about medical school. See one, do one, teach one. That's how we did procedures. Yeah. First arterial lines I did, I had the instructions on the patient's chest when I was doing it. And the, nur- <laughs> and the, and the nurse was talking me through it. Yeah. I'd never seen one. Yeah. At that point. That's... I did one. So, and then I taught it after that. Right. So do you think is, is the, uh, are the new doctors, are they, are they becoming soft now because they're not going through that? Okay, training. so I here's the thing: the virtual training now is amazing. You so mean with I, the with the computerized stuff? 
computerized stuff and having, you know, it's like, oops, we were doing with, they used to have smoking Sam when you had a, a mannequin thing. So there, there are a lot of things that are being done. Some of the labs, like in, in the trauma life support, you, they don't like to say, but you're using, uh, putting a chest tube in a dog or, mm-hmm. or whatever. There, I think they're virtual ways and there are, there, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on now where your first, your, your do one is not not a person or right. an animal. It's not ah. a person. Yeah. So I think that's uh, which been is addressed. which is good. Also, the the weakness in the medical system really now is not the stuff we're talking about right now. It is the electronic record. The electronic record has it made everything a bunch of box checking. Oh. It, everything is just check the box, check the box, check the box, and doctors are not thinking because of that, and they're put into s- such extreme stress filling out boxes that they don't have time to do anything else. Boilerplate. So you look at a – I'll read a patient's chart, and I'm looking for what happened the last visit, and I can't find it. But it's this long. It's like 10 pages long. Well, it's, and it's all cut-and-paste, boilerplate, and – It's terrible. It's right. terrible. And, and, it, and, then, and then if you don't do stuff, you get, you get dinged in certain ways. You get in trouble. And, right. And it's just – it's the opposite of practicing medicine. It's really problematic. That, and I think that's what happened during COVID. Everyone is either a box checker or an employee or both, and they just – were told not to check any boxes, and they just stopped. Yeah, I remember and, years ago that uh, you mentioned that you think lawyers have a huge influence on medical decisions. Do you remember saying something like oh, that? Oh, for sure. Oh my God, is that still happening? Yeah, they, there's been some reform on that front in, over the last ten or fifteen years, so it's not as egregious as it was. But a lot of the excess, really, I think the leftover of it is not that th- that part of medicine is not as miserable as it was. It's that a lot of the expense in medicine is because of what the attorneys have done. In other words, if they would just, if if one tort reform would save billions of dollars, billions, if they, it was just an adequate defense in malpractice to say it was my clinical decision was my impression that I didn't need to do those x-rays and labs. Mm-hmm. I was of the opinion that certain things were happening and I did not feel I needed the labs and x-ray. Now the the CAT scans, the x-rays, the labs are done almost automatically because you get sued if you don't. That's not yeah. So as opposed to saying it was my decision, it was my my clinical <laughs> training, my impression, if that was an adequate defense it means nothing in the court of law now. Right. But it, if it was an adequate defense, we yeah. would say billions well, and billions and billions, I mean, billions nice. of dollars. And watch TV in the middle of the night. What do you see? I think Adams brought it up. There used to be like learn to drive a truck and, and, and this. And now it's all so being it's lawsuits. Did this happen? Did you go to? You know, I've, I've driven by billboards that say stressed at work. Right. Hit us up. Yeah. Call Sweet James. Who yeah. hurt you? What is, literally just the board just said, who hurt you? Yeah, with Suboxone. Are your teeth falling out? Did your stupid doctor give you Suboxone? Oh, well, was there a dental <laughs> class action dental suit? Problem, oh, man. my God, yeah. 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 What, what are the issues? Because dry mouth or? I, I, yeah, I've talked to Dennis about it. That, that's what they think. It's a, it's a, so if you if you swallow, saw how the people swallow the pills now, say it, you have the option, you can swallow the pill, you absorb you know, quite so they think left. it's in the, when it's dissolving in the mouth is what causes t- the t- right. So, problems. Right. So t- they say not. It takes. If we nine could just or- use the patch. Right. We'd be much better, right? Except Dur- yeah. duragesic. What do they call it? The not duragesic. Butrans. Butrans. Yeah. So butrans only up to eighty mme. So it's it's a low dose in Europe. It's up to eighty. Mm-hmm. So here, twenty micrograms an hour. Can't you so. put a bunch of them on? No. 
There's a black box warning if you use more than 20 that they're cardiac. I still haven't figured this out. With 20 micrograms an hour, which is less than a half yeah. a milligram a day, yeah. but the pills go up to 32 milligrams yeah. a day. And yet and you, can, no, you can give them all yeah. clonopin. It's, good. Right? Good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fantastic. All well, right. Um, so uh, I guess you guys are very qualified to talk about this. So should I be worried about measles right now? Have you, have you had the vaccine? Yeah. No. But what means? Okay. Should should America be worried? About yes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Seventy nine percent rose seventy nine percent globally last year. Big outbreak in Florida. Uh, listen, WHO. one of the horrible consequences oh. of the vaccine excesses in COVID is that people have lost faith in vaccines generally. Yeah. Oh, predictably, yeah. predictably, that's what would happen, and now it's happening, and that's not good. That is not good. And and I know, yes, people are worried about blah 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 blah. Some vaccines are very good. It, I, maybe you don't want to take them all at once. I get that. Maybe you don't want to take them so early in infancy. I get that. Take the vaccines. Please take the vaccines. And if you're – what was the age group for the inadequate vaccine? We were in that age group. There's a group that didn't get a vaccine that was effective into adulthood. Was uh, it the, pol- the polio thing? No, no, no. It's us. It's measles. Uh, but it was in our in our age group. Oh, I had group. measles. If you've had it. If you've had measles, right. you're also good for life. But And if you're, your age group should be fine. If you, you can get your measles titers taken to see if you need the vaccine. You mm. But it's a that. horrible disease. Terrible disease. It's a terrible oh. In adulthood especially. Oh. It's really bad. But, but, but there's a really interesting thing in here, which is, okay, all the – not all, but a lot of the public health officials – in the state level, are pediatricians. They have no training in adult medicine. They were making risk-reward decisions in an adult disease called COVID. They're not trained to do it. The reason it's mostly pediatricians is because most of public health is about vaccine therapies, and they are in a position to make those recommendations, and so they've done so. Um, oh, shit, what was I going to say about these guys? Oh, what I'm noticing, I, I interviewed Peter Hotez, and I noticed that their risk tolerance is very different than adult doctors. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so if there's, say, 200 children die of measles in a year, they are beside themselves. They, this must stop. And they're willing to take inordinate risk to get that to stop. And I think there's something wrong there in terms of their risk tolerance and their risk-reward thinking, their analysis on this. So I'm, I'm kind of worried about, you know, I'm just, I, I just don't quite know what to do with this world where, you know, we demand a 22-year-old male with no risk for Omicron to take a vaccine with a 1 in 10,000 risk of myocarditis. Why, why would we do that? Yeah. Th- there's, that's pediatricians doing that. Mm. And I, I, so I'm, I'm – until they can come up with a, a proper way of describing the risk-reward, and they have to talk about the risks of vaccines. They have to talk about it to convince people what the right path is for their child. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just waiting for the 8 or 10 million people that have come across the border unvetted medically. Because I, I know even, even years ago, I remember a, a single shift, we found two tuberculosis, new diagnoses. You never saw that. And so... Oh, to, now, now you mean? No, this was like 10... When I was in, the, in the 80s, we still routinely, the, you know what the number one cause of seizure was? We, we, back then, it was during the El Salvadorian Civil War and the Nicaraguan crises. And so it was all massive. People don't right. know there influx. was a massive influx into Southern California. And uh, you know what our leading cause of seizure was? Sister sarcosis. Sister sarcosis, yeah. tapeworm in the brain. Yeah. And uh, our. I and that was a metal band. We saw. <laughs> 
We saw liver fluke routinely. We saw Ascaris all the time. I, yeah. saw, I even saw an Ascaris wedged in someone's common bile duct. Oh. Yeah, and so, so I, I mean, I've seen crazy, crazy parasites, parasites, yeah. which is tropical medicine we normally don't see. But what about all these people coming in? And it's like, okay, this is where I say, uh, now I'm a racist, right? Because I'm I'm concerned. But at what point do you have a group that? What is it? Twenty-two percent unvaccinated. That's when you can get into an epidemic level yeah. Yeah. when a, when something can really spread. Yeah. So that's these childhood diseases, and then the COVID thing where people are anti-vax, and then the pharmaceutical. I had one father tell me, "Oh, I'm not going to let my kid, you know, profit the uh, pharmaceutical companies with their." Mm-hmm. You know, it is crazy how the COVID vaccine and the negative response, yeah. the backlash to it, has caused people to think all vaccines. Yes. It, well, they've started to reconsider vaccines. And if you start to look at that data, it gets confusing because people won't talk about the risks. You have to educate patients. How else do you do informed consent? Oh. I don't understand. But you know you know why there's less Ascaris now coming in? Why? Because <laughs> drop the because. Asylum seekers, do you know mm-hmm. what they're required to take for five days upon entering the country? Ivermectin. Ivermectin. Yeah. The CDC requires that. that. Really? Yes. Huh. That right now they're doing Right that? now it's on their website. Well, too bad it doesn't kill TB and, and measles. seen a lot of TB, too. A lot of TB. Oh, it's TB. God, I had a, sca- I had a, things that are so scary that people, oh, TB, that's nothing. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a patient, a wonderful patient, robust 80-year-old TB, um, and- Multi, you know, multi-resistant, had to take five yeah. drugs, right? You have to take five medicines for six months, five toxic Ugh. medicines, went into hepatic failure, right? got COVID, oh. bad COVID, Jeez. right then. So can I use Paxlovid? What do I do? I, he'd been fully vaccinated, so I elected to do nothing. I had to have him off everything because he's recovering. His liver failure reversed, thank God. And then we had to put him on three sort of novel anti-tuberculous med. New, there's new things out there coming. Uh, and he, we cured it. But it, it's that's how treacherous this gets, you know. And people think, oh, it's Paxlovid. It's like, mm. these, these me, medical patients are complex. Well, I was say, and, and people are paid based on, they're still paid based on procedures. So I know. And this is, and then it's like we were talking about internal medicine. You're like the primary care doc for adults. And the, the, the literature, the amount you have to learn and know, we were talking about that it, compared to, you know, a few decades ago. It's insane, and and that I think it's it's caused um, so sort of the people going into to medicine. I know emergency medicine is just there are eight hundred empty positions. People don't want to go into certain areas where emergency medicine has become sort of this high acuity, every shift, primary care demands, and it's it used to be the number one residency. People don't want to do it, and I know in primary care and internal medicine. Once they get there, they have. There's a very idealistic picture. I want to be a primary care doctor. Yeah, yeah. I want to go in an under, underserved yeah, area. Yeah. And then, okay, well, you have three thousand people on your panel, and that's your responsibility. But fifteen minutes per visit and one complaint, and it becomes overwhelming in terms of the stress. So, I don't yeah. know where I'm going with all this. Well, that's where the <laughs> that's where I used to complain about attorneys and stuff because they were creating some of that right, stress right, at that time. Right. But now it's just everything's a, it's a mess. So it's, bad. It seems like it. it's yeah. it's Burger King having your <laughs> yeah. And we're, all, we're so we're so used to this on demand mentality oh. now that that goes with treatment, right? Well, Netflix. I think this. You know, and kids and it's just the smartphones. Everything happens right away, and it's like I was watching this. I was in the bank, unfortunately, and there was a two year, four year old kid doing the TikTok thing. Oh yeah, and I was like, 
And the mother was on her phone, and I'm like, that kid's brain is going to be like a heroin addict. <laughs> you know, it's like it's so geared towards immediate gratification. Speaking of gratifying somebody immediately, Uh-oh. I want to hear from our friend Jordan Harbinger. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with iconic musician and producer Moby. It's a super real conversation about fame and mental health. Moby was really open on this one. My first punk rock show was to an audience of one dog, and my first electronic music show was to Miles Davis. 1999, I thought that my career had ended. My mom had died of cancer. I was battling substance abuse problems. I was battling panic attacks. I'd lost my record deal, and I was making this one last album. And I was like, okay, I'll make this album, I'll put it out, I'll move back to Connecticut, I'll get a job teaching philosophy at some community college. And then all of a sudden, the world embraced me. I handled fame and wealth really disastrously. It was so humiliating. I wouldn't trade any of it. For more from Moby, including how he bounced back from a 400-drink-per-month booze habit, check out episode 196 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. All right, we're back. So what else you got for us, Chris? Are you guys worried about microplastics? Because, I mean, there's a Yeah, I'm worried about about estrogen and plastics. Really? Estrogenation, great book. Estrogenation, Mm. you read that book? No. It's very compelling. Did you hear the, this study out of uh, New Mexico, University of New Mexico? They said there are micro, microplastics in every human placenta. Yeah, but this this is are they, are are this, they there's everything and everything these days. So I don't know what to make of it. There's you know lipo. What, what's the uh, liquid nanoparticles in the ovaries? Yeah, and I and and tell we me something. We wouldn't some, even know. Right. Okay. I I don't know what to make of it. I, until somebody can show me a pathology from these things, it's just I, I don't know. I don't know what to make. Maybe, maybe a problem. I'm, I'm open to it. Right. I just, Do you think um, in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years, p- the pl- introduction of plastics has affected us? And have you yes. seen any? What kind of effects? I think the estrogen story. I think yeah. it's a hormonal I think, story. I think that's it. I was, I was looking at, at some science website yesterday. There's somebody that's studying toxins in the environment, yep. and they're documenting it, and they're using computers, yep. and then they're looking at prevalence of certain yep. illnesses. And what are they and, saying? Well, it's, it's looking at, right, and, and cancers, but they're looking at the combinations in the environment. And in certain certain areas of the city, the you know they're actually measuring you know chemicals in the air mm-hmm. and going back in time. Mm-hmm. And so it used to be concerned for lead. Now it's like chromium and arsenic are just as big a problem as lead is, but nobody was really looking at that. So so it gets to be that's one that's one issue. Okay, so that's that's a back. It's sort of like background interference. But what about all these other toxins that we're exposed to from right. from cradle to death? You know, and it's like what I always you know don't you wonder brain tumors, you know, pancreatic cancer, the prevalency rates of these things and lung what, cancer. What's going on with can, that? Yeah. So is it and, impossible and, to avoid plastic to where this wouldn't affect you? I mean, it's everywhere. Yes. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. Don't, well, how don't, would you do it? I, mean, I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> don't put I mean, plastic. We can do avoid plastic it. bottles. And don't put them in your dishwasher on the lower shelf, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, is that right? Is that super hot. The, well, they, hot. they're super heated down there, so plastics, I think, it, I tell the family. Oh, say, yeah, don't heat. Don't put your, don't put plastic in the microwave. Oh, that that's too. a good one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you guys think about the uh, the Alabama IVF ruling? Insane. Didn't we talk about this? I did. I, I, feel said, like we talked about I said it's it. the extreme left, extreme right. These guys are nuts. Yeah, they make us crazy. They make, they make you crazy. Yeah, it, it's and it, and it's never biologically, medically accurate or consistent. 
Other contraceptive, mention the other contraceptive thing. It's so, <laughs> you know, the extreme pro-life people don't take any issue with uh, IUDs, which work by causing an abortion. That's how they work. Uh, and he, the people on the left, uh, if somebody with a three-month-old fetus uh, is killed, that's murder of two people. But if you take the one person out of the other person, well, that's not murder. Right. I mean, none of these things are – they're so, so intellectually dishonest and inconsistent. That's what drives us crazy. It's, it feels more like they're just feeding the culture war. They're just anyway. fighting. They just want to fight. This yeah. is Adam's thing. Just grievance, grievance, grievance. Right. Yeah. So – and I – you know, I don't know. I, I don't – I don't – Because you, you – Look, here, here – right? no one ever gives the real good arguments, by the way. No. You know what the good argument is against um, uh, pro – wait a minute. The, the best – look – I understand people want to protect life. And if you want to protect life, it's easiest to point at the moment of conception. I get it. I get it. So what is your obligation to protect that life? No one ever talks about that. So if I come up to you, Chris, and I go, I pull you off the street and I go, because of something you did yesterday, only you can save this guy over here who's a violin player. He's eight years old. He's going to be the world's greatest virtuoso. But... And you, can, and you can leave him in nine months. You can just be done with him in nine months. But for nine months, I'm going to hook your circulation system up to his. And you're going to have to be kind of limited in your activity while he takes your circulation for nine months. <laughs> what is your obligation to do that? Right. And if you don't do it, he's going to die and the world's going to lose a great violinist also. <laughs> what, what is your obligation? I, I don't have an answer to that. But don't no, one ever cha- no one ever talks about these interesting questions, <laughs> which are really scenario. at the core. It's weird, right? Yeah. And, and by the way, it's never going to happen to you because you're a male. So should you even have an opinion about it? Isn't that? that isn't that, I shouldn't it, even be talking. You know, that's what I'm going to say. I shouldn't even be talking. Well, that's about kind of the this. way I feel. <laughs> but it, it's I. So I get both sides. I get mm-hmm. both sides. And if you, then I get both sides of most arguments. Yeah. Which is you know what gets me in trouble. Right. So most of it too. The people in power. Again, it's the narrative, and it just happens to be right now what you said would be shot down. First of all, you're a male. I think you're whatever your pronouns are. And your older white guy, it's yeah, just you I'm, wouldn't and get, I'm, and I'm willing to get, let it go. You might get beaten up if you go to Berkeley, sorry, and and try to have this discussion. What would happen? I mean, they'd go back and oh, Doctor Drew, you're. What did I say? <laughs> sorry. Right. All right. Yeah, we shouldn't even be commenting on this. Right. Yeah, especially you. Uh, especially you have me. a beard. I do have a beard. <laughs> How do you know he's a girl? I don't she. What are his pronouns? <laughs> yeah, I need to exercise more. Um, so. I've been hearing a lot about prion proteins yeah. lately. Oh. They're not really – yeah, they're proteins. Yeah, They're, yeah. Pr- they're proteins. They're, re- yeah. they're reproducing proteins, yes. Yeah. The, uh, first Don't off – Don't eat any deer. The zombie the zombie deer hey, disease. Prions, I've worried about prions since I was in medical yeah. school. I, the Jakob Creutzfeldt disease is no yes, bullshit. And, um, yeah. Have you ever seen Have you seen it? Oh, it's hard. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, it's like mad cow disease in a human. <laughs> but it destroys people in like six months. I mean, yeah. it destroys Right. Them. Fast. Yeah. And there's a Kreutzfeldt Jacob. Yeah, that's what I said. Jakob Kreutzfeldt. Oh, that's the same. same Bovine spongiform encephalitis. We used to say Jakob Kreutzfeldt. Now they say Kreutzfeldt Jakob. It's whatever. Oh, Jakob is Jakob. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But your brain looks like Swiss cheese. Yeah, it's it's spongiform. It looks like sponge. Bovine spongiform encephalitis. First, also called what was it called in the Pacific Islands? Oh, oh, I'm blocking. Kuru, Kuru, right, right, but. It's all it, it, the deer population has some pretty crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you go hunting, 
and don't people, eat it. Can, well, you, can you cook it out? No, you can't, no, right? No, yeah. So and like then cow disease, right? Yeah. Right, and then so some of the you know fast food stands. There is one like we're in Redlands. Oh, we're in trouble. But anyway, so brain <laughs> people eating brain. Yeah, I, and I have a British friend. He's American, but you know, oh, I was, I'm from I'm from England, and he loves brain dishes. And I'm like, oh I wouldn't. Brain is the last thing. That's terrible. Oh for my gal. god. <laughs> yeah, the I'm eating bison. Uh, Viscera these days. Yeah. Viscera? Yeah. Mm. Viscera is extraordinarily healthy. I know. But that's why I eat it. I hope brain's not in the mix. What I'll have to find out. Oh How are you God. preparing that? Uh, a friend of mine, uh, this group that I'm working with, creates this group thing called Bison Trifecta. It's a holistic goddess is the group. It's a part, it's an offshoot of the wellness company. And I'm I'm a big believer in viscera and I've never been able to get enough. And so I started taking their bison. Mm. So. Yeah, well, so zombie zombie deer disease spreading, obviously yeah, we're trying deer. to avoid eating them, right. being around them. They the uh that don't eat don't eat their feces. Mm. Oh my god. Do that too. Yeah, it's yeah, so good. Um but yeah, but they haven't confirmed if it can be transferred to a human. The prions get through. Prions I, get I, through. The thing is, it takes a long time to get you, clinical. Years and, then and years and years before you're aware of it. And then yeah. you're done quickly. Well, totally you know what? Disease. We didn't talk about Kratom. God. Oh, my God. Kratom's a disaster. You heard of Kratom? I've heard the word. <laughs> it's a weak opiate. It's in chocolate bars That's and right. uh, in pot clubs and pot. Oh, but they're. So, I don't participate. And, oh, but it's, it's it, so it's like tramadol. It's got a, a norepinephrine, serotonin reuptake inhibition and opiate receptor stimulation. So people, you buy it in a health food store or, well, I don't know health food store. You buy it, it in a, a head shop. Head shop, yeah. But I got, you know, psychosis. Okay. What happens to a bipolar patient and you give them an antidepressant? They get, they get nuts, psychotic. Nuts huh? So these people start taking more and more. I had a guy 15,000 bucks a month on Kratom. I've but seen it, many Kratom addicts now. Yeah. Man. And, it, and it's now, oh, use it to detox. It's a natural painkiller. Use it. Okay. To, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So. How, anyway. Bad, how bad is, are the addicts? Are they... I'm the same as any other opiate addict. Really? Same. Yeah. How about gas station heroin? The, um, Salazine? What, what is no, it? no, no, no. Uh, Tianeptine, I think it is. So Ooh, that's a new one for me. It's an atypical tricyclic, and it's used in Europe as an antidepressant, anti-anxiety oh, agent. But I've not seen it. Yeah, and and then some of it has synthetic cannabis in it, synthetic THC. So which makes people seize and crazy. Oh, it's cr- yeah. yeah, but it's it's yeah. you can go. It's not outlawed in California. You can probably get it here, but it's another problem opiate that's yeah. Any, anyway. it, there would never be a non-addictive opiate. Just remember that. All opiates are addictive. Mu opiates are addictive. Right. So the and then um, speaking of prions too, they, a new study just said that uh, they were able to transfer Alzheimer's mm-hmm. through prion because they did like like years ago, like eighty-five. So, so here's dementia. the problem. Yeah, dementia. Yeah, dementia. Now, the, the dementia is probably going to end up being. What would your guess? How many different illnesses? Oh. T- ten to start with. Oh, I'm gonna yeah, I'm 20. gonna say, I'm gonna yeah, say it could when be we're the done, end point of so many. Yeah, it's gonna be two or three hundred illnesses when we're all done. When we figure out all the different types of dementia. But right now you yet. could sit. In now you could list ten, like like vascular. Um, Wendy Wendy Williams has frontotemporal dementia. Oh right, oh, that's you know, horrible, horrible. Oh. And she's getting all the behavioral stuff that goes with that. They get wacky. There's um. Pick's disease. We used to call it mm-hmm. Neiman Pick's disease. Right. That's Pick's disease. There's Alzheimer's dementia. There's probably 50 illnesses in Alzheimer's. There's vascular dementia. There's various types. Various. And that's just the beginning. That's just where we start with these things. Is there anything we can do personally to avoid? Exercise. Exercise. And Lewy body. That's one that Louis I'm body is, Oh, right. That's what uh, Robert Williams, Williams had. Yeah. Yeah. 
But that's, that's a. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if Wendy has Louis body. She looks a little bit that way to me too. We'll see. Um, what do you mean she looks a little bit that way? The, have you seen the videos of her behavior and stuff? I saw. I saw a clip like of her in a and people are like, bed. it's not okay for her to talk like that. See, she's her it's brain doesn't her. work. <laughs> yeah. Her brain isn't working. What is wrong with people? I don't know. But so, you wonder, I wonder about the cocaine it. and meth in the past, heavy usage, if that's coming to roost in the brain. But it's that would be more vascular, more Alzheimer's, I, I usually. Get, this well, looks, except the dopamine. Yeah, yeah. It blows yeah. out their receptors. Could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. How to bring some drugs Excitotoxicity, in. we call that. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, a new study, more women may be psychopaths than previously thought. Really? Speaking yeah. of psychopaths, James Fallon. Do you remember that guy? Yeah. He died of a brain tumor. He just died. No. Yeah. And he was doing research on psychopathy. He was doing all these functional MRIs, and he had a bunch of controls on his desk. Him and his family were doing the controls. And his research assistant said, go through these controls, and let's just unlabel oh. them. So he was going through the controls on his desk. He goes, oh, my God, there's one of the, pa- one of the psychopathic patients' MRIs here on my desk. He got me in the mix, and he opens it up. It was his. Oh. His. His own. We did Weekly Infusion with him. Yes, we did. Yes, so we somebody did. wants right. to go back to Weekly. That was a great, that was a great segment Great episode. Yeah, He's great a brilliant episode. dude, and yeah, he, went, he went on to – and it turned out he, fe- he discovered that most psychopathy is genetic, and it's usually genetic, not a direct lineage, but like cousins and uncles. It's like, it's like one removed. Mm-hmm. And he talked to his mother and was able to – it was through her side of the family – and he went all the way back and found out he was rela- – and, and his version of psychopathy throughout history, their family history, usually there was acting out only on family members. Yes. His psychopathy was <laughs> and, – and his family reported like, yeah, everyone loves you except us. We, you're an asshole to us. <laughs> he was – all the way back, he was related to Lizzie Borden. Yeah, that family, was fascinating. killed her family. That was a fascinating – That's genetic. It has a genetic component to it. It's yeah. a biological thing. Your brain doesn't perceive emotions normally. Well, uh, so this is done by Dr. Clive Body from Anglia Ruskin University. Uh, so he just says that basically, when we've been since we've been studying psychopathy, it's been very male oriented. Just all the tests we'd use incarcerated individuals, yep. and then he started saying, "Well, let's skew it a little bit more towards the female brain and females as well." And he said that. Uh, um, it, they described female psychopaths as prone to expressing violence verbally rather than physically. Yep, socially and verbally. Yep. Yeah, and um, and estimates suggested that originally it was a ten to one ratio of male to female psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Now it's one to one. Friend of mine does. Uh, she's a brilliant psychologist and a, and a lawyer and whatnot, and she uh, primarily focused on adolescent female. And she says the scariest patient she ever works with. She worked and she worked with psychopaths for the FBI for a while, and she was had some crazy stories about that. She goes, but really the scariest ones are the female psychopaths. Uh, I mean, young female psychopaths. Are they misidentified as as borderlines? Maybe, they get borderline or, or sociopath, yeah. and they manipulate men and cause all kinds of crazy damage and stuff, and don't care. Yeah, do I feel not like care. I've met a few of them myself. <laughs> to be oh, sexist! A sexist well, would say on, they do a lot of, on, and they're they they trap people online and then act out on them. And stuff wow! Like that, so. So, oh, it's it's like I mean I'm not saying that every every female is a psychopath, but uh, I do see the the emotional quote, unquote, emotional back. violence. What he's saying walking is he attracts psychopaths. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Get out of here! You walked in here. <laughs> We're two doctors here. Yeah. You, you are. Yeah, you can't you fool are. us. I've, and you know, and we're call- used to bullshit too. By the way, we're addiction doctors. Yeah. And you're going against the grain. You know, my nickname for him is Laxadaisical. Oh, we're not Maxipada. No, Lax. 
You know, I don't like nicknames. <laughs> All right, guys. Great show. Thank you so much. Bruce, thank you for being with me this week. Yes. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and I, fun. I am replacing Adam Carolla, correct? That would yes. be great. Get kicked out today. <laughs> Chris obviously loves <laughs> yeah. it. The boys in the booth learned a bit here. Uh, and uh, that's it then. Well, uh, look for me at uh, Rumble. Guys, please sign up, subscribe to the Rumble channel. Bruce's. Dr. Bruce H at AOL. There you go. Like that? And uh, I've got 70,000. You, you know? Anything you want to say? Hey, check me? out the Adam Carolla show. We just celebrated 15 wow. years of podcast. I saw that. Five, something like 3,800 episodes. Wow. Two, tw- 200 days of continuous of talking, broadcast yeah. talking. What happened to my health segment? How do you guys do without me? We, I, ah! Yeah, we need to. We need to. Uh, this, I uh, piss off is, Adam. That's no, why I get is, under his skin. I'm going to play in this episode. Uh, uh, good times. See good you times. next time. Mahalo, everybody. Mahalo. Pluto TV is as easy as it is free, and it's totally free. With over 300 channels and thousands of TV shows and movies, finding what you love has never been easier. Just open the app, and something good will already be playing. Because it's curated by real humans who love TV as much as you do. So you'll spend a lot less time scrolling and a whole lot more time watching. That's why Pluto TV is TV the way it should be. All you need to do is download the app and start streaming. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.